This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 272 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the Godfather, back again, back in the United States, finally. Bill Lack. How are you, Bill? Yeah, you know, the, the, the uh, indictments ran out and I was able to get back in you know, safely and without being arrested. Well, that's a rare occurrence. And I know your history. Um, but uh, you had a little vacation there. Are you tanned, rested, and ready for another episode of the podcast? Well, I, I did the uh, – I, I used the Key West sunscreen, which means I spent most of my time in a bar <laughs> on some vacation. Ah, uh, Key West. But did, but did manage to get out on the water a couple times, and that was fun. And If you ever go to Key West and you want to do a great sailing trip, look up Floridas of Key West. There you they go. Have, they have my five-star approval rating. Top-notch Reds analysis plus vacation tips right here. We give you everything at Red Absolutely. Nation Radio. Um, and, of course, Florida, we don't like to claim them as one of the United States. So uh, I consider that uh, traveling abroad. Why don't we do? Why don't we claim it as the United States? Because it's Florida. Have you ever seen Florida? Yeah, I like Florida. You live in West Virginia and you're going to pop on Florida? You live in Virginia and you're going to pop on Florida? You really, you really just said I live in West Virginia? Well, it's close. You're, I mean, you can almost throw a rock into West Virginia, can't you? Just because uh, West Virginia is the best Virginia doesn't mean that my Virginia is bad. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds. And let me tell you why I want to talk about the Reds. I have never been more excited to be a Reds fan in my entire life. As of today, and we're recording this on Thursday as we always do, your Cincinnati Reds are not in last place. Woohoo! Have they scheduled the parade yet? And we could even stretch our margin later today. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be amazing. So, obviously, the Pirates uh, lost and the Reds won in Cleveland. And uh, the Reds moved up to fourth place in the National League Central Division, even though, let's be honest, they're not playing very well. And the Pirates are – oh, the Pirates lost again today. Oh, they've already lost today. Yeah, six to five. There you go, then. So the Reds are, you know, firming their grasp on fourth place. Exactly. <laughs> and so it's fun to joke about not being in last place. And, you know, the Reds have been in last place for far too uh, much the last few years. But uh, what do you think about the way the Reds have performed the last uh, few weeks? It's just sort of the same old, same old, right? Well, you know, they were the offense was playing pretty well, and I left you in charge. And went out of town, and all of a sudden the offense tanked. And the, the only person I know to talk to about that is the guy on the other end of this phone here. And that's you, right? I left you in charge, and you didn't get the job done. I'm not. Sure. I think you have a sort of a fundamental misunderstanding of how the uh, Cincinnati Reds National League Baseball Club operates. They give me no authority. 
You are in you are in spiritual control when I give you that when I give you that the reins. <laughs> okay. Well, if I, I wish you're you'd like done, the shaman, you're like the shaman of the Cincinnati Reds. I wish you'd done that about eighteen months ago, and I would have had Nick Senzel in Cincinnati on opening day. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, here we here we here he goes again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's why beating out of last place is uh, more exciting than it should be. I was looking it up uh, a few days ago. August 21st, 2015, the Reds dropped into last place that day for the first time that season. 2015. Since that day, they've played 594 games. They finished the day in last place on 497 of those days. How much time did you spend putting that together? Oh, man. Like, took me about a week and a half working 16-hour days. Wow. That, that's just the game days. At the, at the you, need, you, you need to find a better hobby, my friend. This is my hobby, baby. The Cincinnati Reds. Love it. 594 game days, and they finished the day in last place on 497 of those. They have been in last place in the National League Central for 1,293 out of the 1,390 days since uh, dropping into last place in 2015. So put it a different way. 1,390 days. They've been somewhere other than last place, ninety-seven days. That's, that ain't many. That's brutal. That's brutal. I mean, this is—it's uh, in the running with that stretch in the nineteen thirties of being the worst stretch ever for Cincinnati Reds baseball, and we have endured it. And even now, they're just a team that uh, should be better. I think um, you had a question uh, about uh, whether they really are better, whether we're just looking at them through rose-colored glasses. I imagine you yeah, got an opinion I mean, on that. I've said on Twitter, and you said, you know, you and you and I both said this that this is a better team than their record is showing. But at some point, you are what you are, uh, and I don't know if we're—I don't have any idea if we're at that point yet. But you know, I keep saying, you know, this team's too good not to go on a streak. But they seem incapable of winning more than what two or three and two. What's their biggest winning streak been this year? Three in a row? Have they I won four in a row? Have they won three in a row? Yeah, they won three in a row April 18th they through won 20th. they won four in a row? There's four. In a, I'm looking at the game results here. There's four in a row. No, that's – I don't know. No, they've never won four in a row. They won three in a row once. Oh, yes, they did. They won four in a row in April the 10th. Oh, you're 11th, right. 9th through 13th. And they had an off day in there, and then they went and beat the Cardinals, and then they lost four in a row. Yeah. Good times. Good times. That was right after they'd lost eight in a row. Yeah. Yeah. But – I mean, if you look at the game results, the line on on, on uh, Baseball Reference, the, the, the there's a lot more red streaks than there are green streaks. Yeah, but to, to respond to your question, I don't think we're anywhere near the point where I'm ready to say this team is what it is. Uh, and that's something Jason and I discussed a little bit last week. But, um, I, you know, you need way more than 66 games. Because think about it, this team goes on a run, you know, and wins – Eight of twelve, or something, or you know, eight of eleven, which is not unreasonable. And all of a sudden, they're above five hundred. It's a completely different narrative about this team. Uh, they're competitive pretty much every night. The run differential is good. Everyone hates hearing run differential, run differential, but the run differential is very good. Uh, this team is absolutely better than the record shows. I'm one hundred percent convinced of that. I am too. But at some point, they've got to prove it to us. I mean, we're forty. We're almost forty-one per, you know, percent into the season, 
And, you know, and I'm not saying they can't go on a run. I mean, and, and I'm not going to come and somebody, people have been doing this on Twitter, but I'm not trying to compare one sport to another, but look at the, what the St. Louis blues did. What's that yeah. like uh soccer or something? What is that? It's better than soccer. It's hockey. <laughs> There's nothing better than soccer, but anyway, continue. But, you know, they were in last place in January and won the Stanley Cup. So, you know, I'm not saying that's what the Reds will do, but I, you know, I've said all along that I think this team's going to go on a run. They're going to win, you know, 10 of 15, 12 of 15, you know, even 8 of 12 would be would would make this record look a lot different. Uh, you, you predict them to finish about 500. I predicted them even better than that. Uh, maybe I was a little optimistic. Maybe you were about right. But, I, I you know, I, I still think – they haven't played their best ball and they're hanging around 500. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, you know, first of all, they've climbed out of last place. So maybe they're on that track. I think maybe by the end of the season, they will win the Stanley cup. They, <laughs> well, I thought uh, you were going to say the world cup. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Um, oh, how about the U S uh, women's national team? Big do we, do we want, okay. Since you brought it up, what do you think of winning 13 to nothing? I think it's not the U.S.'s job to stop the U.S. from scoring goals. I agree with that, but so you don't think there's any responsibility. I really struggle with this. Uh, I don't have a problem because, for one thing, you don't have enough enough players on a squad or enough substitutions to take everybody out. But I think they could have slowed their game down. I mean, when you're up nine to nothing, do you really still need to be playing that fast? And the thing that bothered me were the celebrations after the, you know, 11th, 12th, and 13th goals. I, it, it just seemed like they were rubbing their faces in it. And and and, and I understand the arguments the other way, and I, but that's the way I felt about it. Well, let me – before we get back to the Reds, let me respond quickly so you can go out and yell at somebody to get off your lawn. Um, it's <laughs> – this is the World Cup. Thailand qualified for the World Cup, the greatest competition of soccer teams in the world. These women that play for the United States have worked their entire lives to get to that point. And I don't expect them to suppress their happiness when they score a goal in the World Cup because that's a lifelong dream accomplished. And again, I you know, I think it shows disrespect to Thailand. If you just, I don't know, kick it around in midfield for 30 minutes. I mean, I don't know what they were supposed to do. Well, I'm not saying you couldn't score, but I'm saying they could have played. I mean, they played, I've, and I've, believe it or not, I've watched a hand, you know, almost every one of these games so far, at least some part of them. They play faster on inbounds, on, on balls out of bounds than any team, other team in, in, that I've seen. You know, balls kicked out and they're throwing in and that kind of thing. They could have slowed that stuff down. They could, you know, they anyway. We 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 will agree to disagree on this. I guess U.S. Women's National is the best team in the world, and uh, they don't have to stop themselves from scoring, in my opinion. But back to the Reds. That man, the whole thing has always been. We keep saying this every week. I bet we've said it just about every podcast, which is that one and eight start really distorts things because since that one and eight start, they've been the team that you said they were going to be. Uh, you know, a little above average, above five hundred. You know, yeah, since, if, they, if they'd have been four and four in those eight losses, or, or three and five, yeah, even three and five, or they were one and nine, so three and six, even they're right at five hundred now. Yeah, so yeah, it's just hard. It, it's hard to know who this team is. Uh, I agree. I don't think they're this team, and, but they. You're right. At some point, they got to show it, and all we've seen the last little bit is just 
you know, win-loss, win-loss, couple wins, couple losses, three losses. But right now the offense is stinking. It's bad. It's bad. I mean, it's, it's been worse in June than it was in March, April. I thought it was supposed to get uh, better. I thought so, too. Um, uh, one quick uh, matter of news I want to mention before, because it's part of the offense, but Joey Votto had to uh, was a designated hitter against uh, Cleveland in Wednesday's game. He was, I think, one for two with a home run when he uh, had to go out of the game with uh, back stiffness. Supposedly, yeah. he's, supposedly he's fine and... We'll be back uh, when the Reds play on Friday. Reds, of course, this is the Reds' medical staff saying he's fine. <laughs> that was Joey Votto saying he's, he's fine. He'll be so. having back surgery next Tuesday. To go back to what you said though about the offense, uh, there was a <laughs> there was a piece piece on uh, MLB.com that said uh, the question was basically what each what does each National League Central team need at the trade deadline? What are the needs? And uh, they didn't really answer this. It was a sort of a strange piece. I wouldn't recommend reading it necessarily. But um, to me, when I saw the headline, before I clicked on it, I said, There's, it's obvious what the Reds need right now. They need the offense just to play to the what the back of their baseball card says. Am I wrong about that? No, you're not. Um, I went through the the lineup because I, I, I figured we'd talk about this today and, and looked at career – OPS and OPS pluses versus what they're doing this year. And, you know, Vada's down OPS plus he's down 60 points, even though, I mean, the last 28 days he's it's his OPS is 848, but that's still nowhere near the 948. That's his career. Um, but it's, you know, hopefully it's trending up uh, Peraza 602 to, you know, 602 and 55, the career 689 and 81. Uh, Barnhart has been terrible, uh, and we'll talk more about him later. Wanker has been way down, uh, and his D wars is bad. Uh, Puig, his OPS plus is about half of what his career OPS plus is. I mean, he he's killing. Them. You know, he's a guy that you know you expect. Like like you said, these guys, if they just hit their 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 you know their career averages. I think this team is is well above 500 at this point. And I, but I, it's, it's sort of like when we talk about the, the the Reds team as a whole. You know, they just can't get quite to that point where we feel like it's the team that we expected and that the team they should be. And you keep waiting for it, but you know how long how long do we have to wait? It's the same thing with the offense, which has been the reason why the Reds have struggled. You keep waiting for these guys. I mean, Suarez has been pretty good all year long. I don't know that anyone else, uh, you know, Nick Senzel's been good ever since he came up. I don't know that anyone else has been uh, even Iglesias. halfway decent. Iglesias. Yeah, Iglesias. Jose Iglesias, certainly. Yeah, he's been better than I expected. He's uh, been better than his career numbers would expect you to have been offensively. Yeah, and again, if we're talking about people going back to what the back of their baseball card says, you got to expect Jose Iglesias to drop back to that too. Let's not think this is a new Jose Iglesias at age 29. You know, and, and Derek Dietrich. Especially against left-handed hitters. I mean, yeah. against right-handed hitters. Absolutely, absolutely. Dietrich has been the big. Uh, you know, big. and you know, that that's a, something's going to be interesting to to see when Jeanette comes back. Whether Dietrich takes uh, and bats away from Winker. Um, well, uh, he shouldn't. He should take him away from someone else in the outfield. Let's get. Let's. I tell you what, we've got a, a bunch of viewer mail questions this week. Um, and I wanted to get, and, and they really give us a chance to, 
uh, get into most of these issues that we're talking about and a bunch more. So let's let's just go all viewer mail from this point on because I think it'll hit everything. If we miss anything, actually, before we do that, we'll have to. Do we have any movie or music questions today? We don't. Ha- I don't. Didn't see any. There may be one that snuck in there that I didn't see. Um, <laughs> I did see a good movie the other day that uh, you should uh, check out. Uh, go down to your local blockbuster and rent the VHS there, uh, Bill Lack. What was that? It's called uh, "They Shall Not Grow Old." It's a documentary. I saw the previews for that in the theater. It, it was the color, colorized version of the World War One uh, videos. Well, you just gave a spoiler um, to it, but I guess if they showed it in the, uh, it was very, if they showed it in the the trailer, then yeah, I guess you already know that people already know that. But it, it took my breath away because they go the first twenty minutes or so before they show anything uh, that's been colorized. Oh really? And uh, and and I didn't know it was coming, and it took my breath away because uh, it's it's Peter Jackson who did the um, Lord of the Rings and all those Hobbit uh, movies, and yep. you know, uh, really good director. Although I didn't particularly care for those movies, but he's a really you know competent uh, director, filmmaker, and he uh, he did this because his great grandfather or his grandfather served in World War One, and it's 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 actual videos from World War One, but you won't believe they're actual videos because they colorized them and they digitized them. And they added sound effects. And when you could tell what a person was saying, they had an actor doing that. And they, but, but everything was other than the, you know, some, sometimes, and that's just in the background. They don't have any, um, anyone in a, in a video actually talking to where it's part of the narrative. The entire narrative is just, uh, recordings of veterans talking about their time. And it takes you all the way through World War One. And it is amazing. It's, I mean, it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life. So, Anyway, we've really gotten off the rails again, Bill. And we tend to do that. That's all right. It happens. This is a con- I, I, you know we're we're kind of like a the old the, the streetcars on wheels. We don't have rails. <laughs> I always <laughs> say this is a conversational podcast. Okay, it's going to go where it goes, and we'll get it back around <laughs> to the reds eventually. At the best of times. It, it, that's right. <laughs> I, I I do want to. Uh, Mention one thing here because you came up, you had a topic you mentioned before we came on the air, and I just looked through our questions. I don't see one that will really lead us to talk about this. And here's your question, and I'm going to let you answer the question, and then I'm going to disagree with you. Your question was, and I don't know what your answer is going to be. I just presume I'm going to disagree with you. Is it time? <laughs> is it time for the Reds to change closers? What's your answer? Well, for one thing, I don't think we need to have a closer. But I would be changing who I would use was using in the highest leverage situations at this point. Well, you got a problem there. The manager David Bell was using Rosella Glacis in the highest leverage situations, and he whined about it. And so now he's just uh, basically three or four out closer. I, I, I presume you're asking that because he blew a game, the extra inning game. Mm, yeah, well, yeah. And, and, I mean, he hasn't – I mean, I'm not going to say he's been ineffective, but he's lost six ball games. And, and I'm not saying that wins and losses, you know what I'm saying. But if you're the closer and you've lost six ball games, Second-best reliever in the bullpen to this point. Um, that was the first run he'd given up in a month. Uh, I, but he is the second-best reliever. Yeah, Okay. And, and, and I would say he's been the second best reliever at best all year. Okay, so if you, again, a closer, I don't care who the closer is. Rosella Iglesias cares. Let him stay the closer, but 
I want him. What I want is in the high leverage situations, I want he and Amir Garrett. Those are the guys that need to have every important relief appearance to me. I, I, I almost completely concur. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Garrett's, Garrett's been amazing. Love uh, Amir Garrett. So anyway, I, yeah, I, should they change, we change closures? I, really who cares? I think Rizal presented a problem with his, uh, his attitude now. towards closing. And, uh, uh, it's caused David Bell some issues, I think, because, you know, we, we want him to do the right things every, on the field. And I, I think he's doing a lot of great things on the field, but he's also managing actual humans in that clubhouse. And it's, it's not easy, especially for a young guy just learning the ropes. So he's putting a, a tough situation. When the, do, you, do you think, since we're talking about Iglesias, do you think his attitude has made him more or less susceptible to be traded at the deadline? I would or do you change it at all. Oh, I, you know, it's hard to say because we don't have any, I don't have any actual knowledge about this, but to me, if I were in charge, yeah. Yep. I, mean, I mean, I want guys that are willing to do whatever it takes to make the team better. And often that's going to coincide with what, with what's best for the player as an individual. You know, you want them to make as much money as they can and all that too, you know, but, uh, he is, has demonstrated he is more concerned with uh, getting saves or getting the, the glory of being the, the closer rather than doing what's best for the team. And I love Rizal Iglesias. He dazzles me. He's an amazing – I love watching that guy pitch. He's better than most people realize or has been over the last few years. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm just about done with him just because he, <laughs> he whined about being used in the most important, he basically whined about the Reds considering him their best reliever and using him in the most important spots. And that's really what he said, worded differently. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I, and I, I, you know, I'm assuming you're using ERA plus is, is by set is the way to say he's the second best reliever in the, in the bullpen right now. But, you know, his whip is the highest of any of the guys in the bullpen. Is you know his hits per nine is is second highest. His home runs per nine is second highest. His walks per nine is highest, tied with Garrett. Well, listen, I, I use those small sample numbers. We're talking about you know less than you know th- thirty innings combined combi- combined with his career. It's about the same, so I think a comparison is fair. Yeah, but I combine that with his career. We know what Rosell Iglesias is. Um, we know what he's been. Well, and we, I think I think he's still that guy. And if, and if we're going to say that, then you know, let, let's go back to what we were talking about—the offense. <laughs> I guess, but I mean, he's been good. I mean, Rosell Iglesias has been good. I mean, are you going to use his one-loss record to say that he's been bad? He's been good. No, but don't you think when you're coming in in the situations that he's coming in, that six losses says something? Well, yeah, the bad stretch of his of his season, which is when that uh, whip went up, the only bad stretch of his season really came when he was being used in those high leverage situations. I don't think that means that it was a wrong to use him in those situations, and I don't, and I would still use him in those situations because he's still been good and he's been lights out for just about the rest of the season, other than that one little stretch there. He did. He had an awful stretch to start the season, no question about it. But I don't know. I I I like him having the ball in any situation whatsoever. Still. Now I've been I've been out of the loop for the last week, as you know. Is Matt Bowman still up? Matt Bowman, I, yeah, that's a good question. I've not seen him in. A while. I don't remember. 
I don't remember the last time I saw him pitch. You know that you know that roller. You know the uh, the. Um, the uh, merry-go-round to Louisville is... Uh, yeah, that's the way it is. His last uh, outing was June the 8th. So, uh, yeah, I presume he's still here. I haven't, I didn't see a transaction that... I mean, he's pitched. In, in the opportunities he's been given, he's done well. Well, and he's another guy with a little bit of a track record that people don't realize. He's new to Cincinnati. But he's got a track record of performing in the big leagues. So yeah. I like having him in the bullpen. I, I love the bullpen. I mean, he's got, I mean, he's got 163 games in the big leagues. That's, you know, not just a day or two. Right. I love this bullpen. I love uh, I love the rotation. I love everything about the pitching. I've got no complaints whatsoever about the pitching. The you don't want to complain about Zach Duke? Nah, not really. Okay. Okay. Not really. 17 innings of Zach Duke, and uh, the rest are all pretty fun innings. So, you know, I'm going to ignore it. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get back to the viewer mail. As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. Put sent, your pants on. Sent to us from uh, directly to the home office in Kalamazoo. You can. Uh, wow, how do you get, pick those up? Uh, listen, let's not inquire too deeply about any of this nonsense that I'm saying, please. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, the, the first set of questions are going to come from our supporters at patreon.com, patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you can support Love the podcast. Guys. Love those guys. Appreciate all of you. I mean, listen, anybody that would, would support us, um, yeah, I don't know why you would do it, but I appreciate the fact that you are doing it. Um, so anyway, these questions are submitted from patrons there. And before we take some of those questions, uh, I want to give a quick thank you to a few new patrons over there. Again, I'm humbled when any of you all will. We got people still getting nudes. People oh. still joining up. Yeah. Wow. People joining up. And, and I was remiss last week and not uh, mentioning a couple of them. And I want to mention, we got four right now that I want to mention. Um, will Delaney. It's a good name. Will Delaney. I like that. That's yeah. That sounds like a baseball name, doesn't it? It does. Will Delaney. Of... Second base and leading off Will Delaney. Yeah. That's sort of a second baseman's name, I think. Yeah. So Delaney's the second baseman on our, uh, Red Leg Nation radio softball team. Who's uh, on first? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so thank you. You don't think that's funny? Oh, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Oh, okay. But, just, okay. Um, Will Delaney, thank you, buddy. Really appreciate uh, the fact that you have uh, uh, joined us and supported us over at uh, Patreon. Next, John Kennedy. What about that? Is that the one that used to play for the Seattle Pilots? I was thinking more the president. Well, I was thinking the Seattle Pilots. As you always do. I know. Since you're obsessed with uh, Jim Bowles oh. Ball 4. Uh, yes, I am. John, thank you so much. Don't know what position you might play, but uh, you're on the team. Absolutely. I think he's, he's a utility infielder. Utility infielder? So, uh, yeah. Maybe a Derek Dietrich type? Got some, yeah, got, got some pop. Yeah. Hits with a little power. Got some speed. Got some pop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, a little pop, got some speed. Well, We've got some good names this time because our next one. Again, thank you, John Stevenson Swan. Oh man, how about he's that? A he's a pitcher. That's glorious. Oh yeah, he's Absolutely. a hard throwing left hander out of the bullpen. <laughs> Stevenson Swan's on my team anytime. Thank you so much, Stevenson. And then finally, Kelly Buckner. Now that's a baseball name. That's a first baseman. I mean, you know, <laughs> if your name's Buckner, you got to play first base. Oh uh, yeah, rest in peace, Bill Buckner, who passed away <laughs> recently. But. Uh, <laughs> What, it, 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 just for a second, what a shame that one play is all people remember about a, a, what a great career that man had. Well, it was good to see uh, in, in the wake of his uh, passing that there were a lot of people coming out saying, 
exactly that and, and reminiscing about how actually good he was. He had 2,800 hits. I mean, he was a, or something yeah. like that. He was a good player. Yes, he was. So, Kelly Buckner, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining up. Will, John, Stevenson, Kelly. I don't know. That's probably uh, four four players on the 40-man. Yep, absolutely. All right. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. Um, okay, now let's get to some viewer mail questions. The first comes from Joseph Prince. Joseph Prince asks, and he sent this question a, a few days ago, actually. He sent it on, on Twitter, and I'm answering it here first because he is one of our Patreon supporters. It, it, and I think it's interesting. If Billy Hamilton had stayed a shortstop and kept up the level of defense he showed as a center fielder, would he still be a red? People seem to accept light-hitting shortstops more than light-hitting center fielders. Interesting question, but I saw him play shortstop. Yeah, but we're, we're presuming a world in which he develops into a shortstop that was as good as he was in center field. Oh, so he's Ozzie Smith-ish. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. One of, the, one of the best defensive well, shortstops then, in all then of baseball. I would answer the question that, yes, probably um, – but it would depend on how bad he was. I mean, if he stayed the same offensively. Yeah, yeah. If he was Ozzie Smith at shortstop, yeah, they'd have paid six to seven million a year to keep him. I don't know. I don't know. They 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 cut bait on him as a center fielder because he was going to be making way too much money. I and mean, I love the guy, but who's going to be making more? But don't you? Well, I don't know. I, I think they probably would have at shortstop because I like like they, like we said. I think you can swallow a light hitting great defensive shortstop. Now maybe they wouldn't have paid that much money. Hell, what do I know? But uh, I think they probably would have. That's an interesting, interesting alternate uh, history scenario though, right? Yep. So good question, uh, Joseph. Next question from uh, Stephen Offenbaker. Our buddy I Steve. know that guy. Yeah, host of the Reds Alert podcast. He asks Wait, this. On the edge of the, of the universe. On the <laughs> yeah. edge of the planet. Yeah, really. <laughs> We've now, Stephen asks we at Patreon.com, we've now seen Jose Iglesias refuse to let Senzel call him off. Iglesias made an over-the-shoulder over the basket catch. And now Peraza, which resulted in a, in a collision. Is this a lack of respect for the rookie center fielder? Is Senzel not assertive enough? Center field calls off left field, right field, shortstop, second base. Correct? Yes, yeah, Stephen, that is correct. I mean, the center fielder is sort of the captain out there. He calls anyone off. And it, it's it's a good question because you got to wonder, he's a kid. And that was a bad collision with with Peraza. What Sinzel said about it is that it was one of those balls that, here's his quote, right off the jump, you can't call it because obviously you don't know if you can catch it. Then when you're going for it, you call him off. It was just too late. Uh, at least we didn't hit each, hit each other set head on. It could have been really bad. Um, I don't know if you saw that uh, that collision, Bill, but it was no. It, the other thing I would say is if Sinzel gets more experience in center field, He'll make quicker judgments on those calls. That was exactly that was exactly what I was going to say too. He's still learning it. I don't know that it's a uh, lack of respect or nah. just that he's. I think that he's learning. And I think on that particular one with uh, with Peraza, you got two guys out there with not a lot of experience. Neither one of them were sure they could get the ball. And you don't want to call a guy off if you can't get it because you don't know whether he's going to be able to get it. You're watching the ball, so I think just tough calls. Um, and and I think Sinzel will get that. Sooner rather than later, if he um, if he ends up staying in center field, which is also another another question to be pondered. It is, and we don't need to dive into that too much here today. But uh, the G Jim Day has a podcast. My guy Jim Day, uh, one of the nicest guys on earth. Jim Day uh, had Nick Senzel on his podcast 
the other I day. I saw that. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but you I need, you need to listen to it. It's a it's a very surprising interview. It's something you don't hear from a young player. Sinzel is so he's light years ahead of everybody around him in terms of his mental makeup and thoughtfulness and Reminded me a little of Otto, to be honest with you. Um, in some ways, that's a, that's a tough comparison. You don't ever want to compare anyone in. But, but Sinzel says that he thinks he's going to be in center field for a little while. He thinks he will eventually come back to the infield. But he thinks he's going to be center field for the near future anyway. So make of that what you will. Matt Sheary asks the question, and this is one that you were going to wanted to talk about that we discussed before we started recording. Uh, but I knew we had a good question from Matt. And uh, it's uh, it's an interesting game seven of the World Series. Let's let's imagine a world in which this team comes back, makes it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and is in Game Seven. Who do you start, Tucker Barnhart or Kirk Casale? As of right now, Casale. I just, I just don't know. Is Tucker Barnhart especially, especially if you got a right-handed pitcher on the mound for if the if, a right-handed opposing pitcher? I mean, Caselli is mashing right-handed pitching. Uh, his D WAR is higher than than Barnhart's is right now. Is it? I mean, he, let's, wait a minute. Let's not. I don't care about that. It's too early. I'm not disagreeing, but I'm saying if we're making decisions based on what we know in 2019, right at this very second. Yeah. Casale uh, has done everything that you can ask him to do. He's delivered one win above replacement so far. Yep. Tucker Barnhart's at negative 0.5. I mean... And we love Tucker Barnhart. Absolutely adore and, Tucker Barnhart. And a Tucker Barnhart. Yes, he's been on the podcast, as we've said before. Yep. Good, uh, great guy. Great guy. Fantastic. A guy that I'm really happy to have around for a while. Um, and good the defensively. Question, game seven right now, I go Casale. Especially given this team, the pitching staff's probably going to keep it close. Uh, you know, assuming good. most days they're going to keep it close. Casale's bat. You know, but again, is this small sample size stuff with Kirk Casale? Are we think? Are we? Because I don't know. I mean, if you look at his career numbers, (laughs) the last three years have been pretty good. I mean, 2017. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything, but the two years he's been with the Reds, yeah, he's got 250 plate appearances and an OPS plus of like 112. With the Reds, we're talking 262 plate appearances, 294 yeah. average, 356 on base, 455 slugging. I mean, that's good. You can, yeah, you can't ask much more than that. But again, it's just 262 plate appearances. I, it's a half a season. Yeah. Playful. Right. We've seen lots of guys have good half seasons. Yeah. But, you know, the way I look at that, it's a guy taking his opportunities and, and grabbing them with both hands. Well, he and did. Any more than that? It's you know you can't do any more than when you're given the opportunity. Well, he got a great opportunity with Tampa Bay in his age 27 season. And he had almost the same number of bats, 256, and he uh, hit 186. So that's why I wonder: is, is he that guy, or is he the guy we've seen the last two years? I don't know. I think I've come to believe he's much more competent defensively than I thought he was. 
Yeah, I thought he would be one of those guys that give you a few good at bats and, and would kind of, you know, you don't, you really wouldn't want him behind the plate three or four days a week, you know, maybe once or twice a week. But yeah, I just I didn't know that he had much of a defensive uh, reputation. And, uh, you know, I don't know that he's the best uh, catcher in the league, but I think he's certainly capable. So I think we both agree here. Casale, and, and, and a lot of people are also asking, is it time to give Casale the starting catcher's job to which I you know, say, you know what else though I'm sorry I'm gonna interrupt you for just a second going back to the 2016 that you were talking about he had a D war of 1.1 1. 1. oh there you go then yeah <laughs> there ain't nothing wrong with that yeah I mean I think he's pretty good I think the Reds got him for free and uh it's been the one of the best they get, they've done very well getting uh, players for free essentially Scooter Jeanette uh Derek Dietrich that wasn't free but they've got him on a minor league deal <laughs> Glacius and Kirk Sally now to me I who the starting catcher is, you don't have to name a starting catcher, but I think you let Casale start 55% of the games at least at this point. I mean, I just, I hate it, Tuck, but Tucker's been, Tucker's been rough. He's been abysmal at the plate. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. And it's strange because he's, you know, he's had good on base skills his whole career. And again, maybe this is back to the baseball card. Um, Maybe he's going to get better, but he's been just, Brutal. That's right at the Mendoza line. Two ninety nine on base percentage. Oof. Tucker. So and, and, and his and his splits are, are close enough to even that you think, e. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I agree. Five sixty six to six thirty eight. Now he's only had nineteen plate appearances against left handed hitters. I mean left handed pitching. So you know, but yikes. Yeah. Yeah. We still love you, Tucker. We still love you, bud. Yeah, I hope he comes back because he's one of the uh, he's he's one of the easiest guys to root for on this team. Yep, without question. So, good question, uh, Matt Hooper Powell, another one of the our better names. Hooper Powell at Patreon That's asks. A, he's a relief pitcher. Yeah, he's probably a relief pitcher. He, he's probably a mop up guy. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's not very nice. Oh, I met I met Hooper <laughs> in Columbus uh, a couple months ago, and uh, just the nicest guy. So he won't mind. He he knows I love him. Um, Hooper asks. Don't watch much NBA, but do you see MLB selling advertising rights to put patches on their jerseys? I could see a Rheingeist or a Skyline patch, or even for the right money, a Jason Linden loves the boss patch. Oh yeah, we talked about uh, musicians last week, and yeah, I think I must have missed something there. Yeah, I, I went on a rant against the most overrated musical artist of all time. Man, how often are you wrong about music? Because it seems like all the time. Uh, no, I'm, I mean, always, I'm always right. No. Bruce Springsteen's garbage. How did that? How did that Eagles statement work out for you on Twitter? Uh, everybody agreed with me. Mm, uh, yeah, in in a bizarro world. That's the way I remember it. <laughs> yeah. So the question: Do you see them selling <laughs> advertising rights to put patches on jerseys? I'll be honest, nothing would surprise me at this point. <laughs> I think it is. I, mean, I don't see it like NASCAR, but I, I, I you know, I could see them saying you could put one. You know, two by three by five patch on wouldn't surprise me. I think it's 100% inevitable. It will absolutely happen. 100%. And it may just be a patch. It probably, at first, anyway, it'll be just a patch, a small patch, sort of inobtrusive, like the NBA. NBA did it, and a few people complained, but who cares? You know, no, what's the big deal? And maybe it's because I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of European uh, football, also known as soccer here in the States. Where you know they've got they don't even have they've got a little crest on their jerseys, but that's what's small on their 
uh, uniforms. They've got an advertiser right across the front. And it, uh, you know, who cares? It doesn't. It didn't bother me. I thought it, I, I, it did when I first saw it. I like, that's weird. I don't, you know, I don't know who these teams are because I can't tell. But after you know watching it for a while, I'm like, eh, what's a big deal? I, I think it's worked so well in the NBA. I think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be Ryan Geist or Skyline though. I think it, I think these are going to be big companies. Yeah, they ain't going to be. They, they aren't big enough. Yeah, I think I think it's going to cost a lot to get on that. You aren't going to get a hometown discount. Well, think how much. Uh, you know, every time they zoom in on a player at bat or in the field or on the mound. You're going to, I mean, that's exposure that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's going to be a big-time revenue source, and it's going to be big companies. I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, well, I don't know, big companies. So but, You know, here comes the problem, you know, and I guess this is kind of the, some of the same problems they have in the NBA. I would assume if a guy's got a shoe deal with one company, but the, comp- but the team's got a uniform, you know, with another company, yeah, well, there, I, I, my guess is, and I think in the NBA it's this way, Nike's not doing uniform logos. Uh, you know, it, those aren't the companies that are doing the advertising, the the, the ones that provide the apparel to the players. So, yeah. I, yeah, I think you just don't allow that. So, interesting question. Um, Jason Linden loves the boss patch. I'm gonna We're going to get one of those and uh, sell them at our store whenever we get that up and running. So you'll sell, like, one of those? We'll sell one of those, too. No, we'll sell Jay- two. We'll sell two. Jay- one, one to Hooper and one to Jason. Okay. Um, all right. Kelly Buckner asks, is there anything this week that made you happier than seeing the Pirates in last place? And, and Kelly had another question, but let me just say that. The fact that the Reds moved out of last place was exciting enough. The fact that it was the Pirates that dropped, I, I agree. That was the, that thing made, That's what made me happier than anything else this week, Kelly. What about you? What do you, what do you think about the pirates? Well, I was on vacation, so I, you know, I had some happy stuff on vacation. But okay. that, that's that's a pretty good week when you when you get climb. Now, let's not get all balls against. I mean, we just climbed, you know, a game over them. Let's hope we stay there. Fourth place with a bullet. The pirates, you know, I, I used to kind of like that team and that fan base because they were at one time they were kind of like the Reds, a long suffering losing yep. team, and they, you know crawled up and got back into the mix and you know i thought oh boy that's a fun story good but man the way they've been the last few years and clint hurdle's the real reason for that but the, oh i got i got, I got okay go ahead I, I, I got something on you <laughs> go ahead do it that's i gotta hear thought. it now I got, uh, go ahead finish your thought I'm, I'm, i can't remember it now i gotta hear what this is uh, you know, I, you know, we were going i assume you were headed towards the the hit batters and all that kind of thing with sure. the pirates Two, the first thing I want to say, the, the, the one, was it Atlanta that they got into with the other night? Yes. Pittsburgh. Do you think that pitch even hit him? I didn't see it. Okay. I read about it. I didn't see it. The re, the replay I saw, it didn't even look like it hit him, which is irrelevant to what I'm getting. And then going to, and from there, I'm going to Barm Gardner out in, in, in San Francisco. Yeah. And he, he, I like the thing I read on Twitter that said he's going to sign with the Pirates next year. How about this for a hot take? I don't have a problem with what Madison Bumgarner did. He didn't throw really? it. He didn't throw it anybody. He's he's. A, well, no, well, but well, you don't have a problem with him mouthing off. No, let the kids play. You know, you know what I want to see Dietrich do. The next time he hits a home run against the Pirates, a long one like he did in Pittsburgh, I want him to take his bat and act like it's a. Like a spyglass, 
like <laughs> Watch he's it looking go. out over the fence with it. Like he's uh, Captain Jack Sparrow navigating yeah, the, the high the ball seas. Travel over the fence. There I think go. that would be hysterical. You know, and he's the guy that would do something like that. So. <laughs> Kelly's next question was, what is and I want to say this again. <laughs> I can't even do this podcast because you keep trying to go off on tangents. Derek Dietrich, if you're ever listening to this podcast, I'll buy a beer for you anywhere. Name the time. Name the place. First five are on me. First five. Wow. Now, does that go for other podcast hosts? No. Oh, okay. All right. I'm a poor retired guy. Yeah, but not when it comes to Derek Dietrich. No. You love you some Derek Dietrich. I do. He he is my new favorite red. He's fun, man. He is just fun. Uh, yep. Love he everything get, about that guy. He gets it. He does. He really does. And, and I think he's enjoying having a little bit of a resurgence and finding that there's a team that cares for him and that really wants to win. He's been in Miami. I don't know. I just, he's, he's a fun guy. He's not as good as he's looking right now, but he's a fun guy and a guy that I'm glad the Reds are going to have around. Now, and I have to believe he's good for your clubhouse. You would think. Hard to say, yeah. but you'd think, yeah. But you, you got to like a guy that's uh, got less than 200 plate appearances and, and he's got 17 home runs. Not bad. Career high already. <laughs> I will take it. That's more horns than I have. I got two more than that, but I haven't, you know, but my wiffle ball season's over for the year. So, nah, so you're done. That's in the books. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the books. Kelly also asks, and this is an interesting question. I'll, I'll answer first and give you a second to think about it. What is the top unbreakable record in any sport? Now I first read that and I thought, what's the top unbreakable record in baseball? And, and I haven't really thought it through in every other sport, but Let's I, just, can we just adjust it to baseball? Well, no, let's let's. I think the I think the baseball answer is the answer for any sport, even though I've not really thought it through in all the others. I think the answer in baseball is Cy Young's all time what five hundred eleven pitching wins. I don't see any way anyone is ever going to come anywhere near that again. I think it's I think it's completely unbreakable, and I can't imagine there's anything in any other sport that would be more unbreakable than that. You got you got an answer? You're probably right, right. That's not what originally came to my mind. I was thinking DiMaggio's record. Now I think that'd be broken. Do you really? Yeah, that'd be broken. You think at some point? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not going to be the way, it won't be broken the way the game's played now. No, no, but the game's not always going to be played like this. I agree, but it was funny. I, and it's funny this comes up because I'm, I'm, I'm reading a uh, David Halverson book, and I can't even remember the name of it right now. It's about the uh, 49 season with the Red Sox and the Yankees. I just started it. Yeah, I read that years ago. It's good. Um, I've never read, I've only read one of his books and all the time I've read his stuff that I didn't think was really good. And that was the one, and that was the one about Michael Jordan. I didn't, I didn't care for it too much. Um, but they talk in there about somebody in the, and now this was a while ago, but they put the numbers into a computer, all the records and you're trying to determine what would be the most unbreakable record. And they they said DiMaggio's. Yeah. you know, I, I don't. It'd be, it's it, it'd be tough to break that one, and, and I mean, Pete came as close as anybody's come, and 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 he wasn't close. Yeah, no, I, I mean, mean he, he was still two weeks away. I, I'm not saying it's easy to get. I think it's really, really, really hard. I could just see somebody doing it. Although in the media environment, it's going to be a lot of pressure. It'd be a lot, it'd be a lot more difficult than it was in Dimaggio's time. So maybe not. That's a that's. Probably a good answer. Um, you, think, you think he's an underrated player? DiMaggio? Yeah. He's completely overrated. You think? Oh, absolutely. Without question. He's one of the most overrated players 
in baseball history, which is not to say that he's not great. He's absolutely a Hall of Famer. But uh, he, you know, I don't know that he was ever the best player in the league at any time during his career, man. But people act like he was the greatest player ever. So, no, I don't think he. I don't think he's underrated. Hmm. I assume you do. I, I don't know enough about him to say. I just every time I hear read anything about him or look at his numbers, they're just really, really good. Uh, yeah, won the MVP three times, finished second twice. You know, sat and and, and missed three years out right out of you know three prime years out of his career mm-hmm. for, for the war. Yeah, I don't know that he was ever better than Ted Williams though. I think he's better all around player. Uh, I don't know about that. Much better defensive player. How do you know that? Oh yeah, you watched him play. And, well, yeah, that's right. You know, I was just a pup, but I do. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably so. But anyway, just as I said, we're we're off the rails again, as usual. Okay, one last uh, viewer mail question from Patreon. Then we get we got a few from uh, at Twitter. We'll try to get to. Um, okay. And actually, I'm going to take the last one at Patreon. And add it to the first one from Twitter.com, Twitter.com slash RedLegRadio, where you can follow us. Um, Joseph Prince has another one, although he says hashtag listener mail. I, I, don't, I may not answer any more questions from you, Joseph. I'm going to answer this one, but listener mail? Man, it's, you're a thick, you are a thick head. The question was, <laughs> the, the 2020 right fielder is, question mark. And that combined with a question from, uh, let's see, where there it is, Speed Force KJ at Speed Force KJ on Twitter. Ask, or his, his, is this, Puig, Yasiel Puig has clearly underperformed this year at the plate, playing moderately good in the field. Watching him during games, he seems to be disconnected and unhappy. Should we try to move him now before the deadline or wait and attempt to re-sign him after the season? Let me just quickly... Uh, Say this, I, I don't think Yasiel Puig is the Reds' right fielder in 2020. Uh, I want it to be Taylor Trammell. I don't think it's going to be him either. So I don't know I, if I have the answer to who's going to be the right fielder. I, I think it's very likely to be someone the Reds are going to acquire in the offseason. Um, I don't know that I see that Puig being is disconnected or unhappy. I haven't seen that. Maybe you're seeing something I haven't seen yet. It's possible, I guess. I just haven't seen it. Uh, anything to indicate that. I, he's absolutely been terrible. He's not done hardly anything. Um, he's got a great arm, and he is hustling on the field. He's made some great catches. He's also missed every single cutoff man that's been available yep. to him. Uh, so anyway, I love Yasiel Puig. Love him to death. Jason Lemon's big on trying to sign him long-term, and I really wouldn't have a problem with that. I still think he's he's good. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be willing to sign a contract before the season ends. And I think he's going to want to test the free agent market. And so ordinarily my answer would be try to move him before the deadline. See if you can get something for him. The problem is I don't know that you he's got any kind of a market right now. What are your thoughts? Pretty much the same as yours. Uh, his, his theory with throws seems to be throw it as far as you can. Sure wants to show off that arm because he's got a beautiful arm. He's got a cannon. Um, and I, I also agree. With you. I've seen no sign of him being disconnected or unhappy. I, I've seen absolutely no sign of that on or off the field because um, he's very connected to the uh, 
community relations part of his of, of, of the Cincinnati Reds. He, he, you can't ask for more than what he's done locally for charities, for Reds Community Foundation, all those things. Um, I would sure be shopping him at the deadline. I would too, but I just don't see how. I just don't see what he, where you know where he brings you much value, um, unless you know you're gonna you're no matter what you do you're gonna probably eat the rest of his salary, and hope you can get what a good a good double A player. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. Again, I'm at the point where. But as for the 2020 right fielder, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the. I think if it was going to be Trammell, he'd be in AAA by now, and he's not. Um, I think the answer is probably somebody outside the organization, unless Shebler comes back, or they believe that Dietrich could be an, an everyday outfielder. You know, you know, if he's found something like Jeanette did, you know, yeah. uh, maybe it's Dietrich. I, I don't know. Uh, but who knows what the who knows what their theory or what their 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 plan is going to be in this offseason. It's it's tough. They got a lot of uh, a lot of questions. They got a lot of money they're going to be able to deal with. Yeah. But ugh, I don't know. Yeah, there's going to be you know places in the rotation that are going to have to be filled. There's going to be you know holes in the lineup that have to be filled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. But anyway, I just I don't see Puig being here next year. And if since that's the case, I think if I think you got to at least uh, explore the idea of moving him. I just the way he's performed, along with his comments before coming here, that you know he didn't hadn't been playing hard the last couple of years. I just don't know if there's much of a market for him out there right now. I, what I'd really like to see is him go nuts and play like we you know we expected him to play, and then you know uh, then you could trade him or you could try to re-sign him. Or you could ride it out like they've done so many times over the last few years and hope he gets them to, you know, somewhere close to wild card contention. I don't know. And the other thing, going back to the, the value and the trade deadline and all that stuff, I mean, you and I have both always said that, that nobody on a team should ever be untouchable. True. I mean, but, but on this team right now, who would you say, we won't use the word untouchable, but who has the the the, the value that would make them the toughest to to acquire from from the Reds, Castillo, Senzel, Gray. It's either Castillo or Senzel, clearly. Uh, well, and 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 I, you know, I put Garrett into the into that into that you know, putting them up on that higher shelf than than the rest of these guys. Yeah, I wouldn't. I I don't think they're even in the conversation for that question. With uh, Castillo, I think probably Luis Castillo. We're talking about a guy that's probably an all-star this year. Um, and Senzel. Guys like I put him even above Senzel. Yes, Senzel second. Yeah, um, but but uh, you'd have to blow me away for either of those guys. Yep, I'd trade them, but you'd have to blow boy, me away. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Next uh, question. At Res Review One asks hashtag Viewer Mail. Is it time to shake up the lineup again? Scored 16 runs over the last week, and seven of them came in the last game. 2.6 a game isn't getting the job done. I'd like to move Jose Iglesias up to either the third spot. Uh, he didn't say or where. 
uh, plus 400 runners in scoring position, batting average, and give Casale a majority of the starts. Uh, you know, I don't know, shaking up the lineup. I don't know. What you, I don't know what you do. It's it is what it is at this point. These are your guys. Yeah. Um, it's time for them to, to hit to start hitting consistently. I don't think moving uh, Jose Iglesias up to the number three spot is. You're right. He's been great with runners in scoring position, but that's really a small. How many how many times has he hit with runners in scoring position? Right. Not that many, and uh, he's been fantastic. And I got no complaints whatsoever about Iglesias. He's been unbelievable with the glove. He's been way better with the bat. Um, but he's also, if you look at his numbers overall, he's below average slightly. So we'll say roughly average with the bat. And he's due to return to earth at some point, you would think. So I don't know. I I, I don't want to complain about Iglesias. I'm I don't want to sound like a criticism that I wouldn't. But I don't I don't see him. I don't like him hit. I don't like him when he hits fifth. I'll give him six. He's got 52 plate appearances with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've got a close, if you can find it there while I'm talking about his career numbers with runners in scoring position. But uh, we already talked about giving Casale the majority of the starts. I think they, you probably do have to give Casale the majority of the starts. If for no other reason. I think you can make some decisions right now that that cause you to take a hit on defense if you think you're taking a hit. And I'm not saying you are with Casale necessarily. But I think if you, if you think you are, you can do that now because you've got to get this offense going one way or the other. So, yeah, his, his his OPS with runners in scoring position right now is over one, and his career is seven seventy. So he's always hit fairly well. Now seven seventy's probably close to his career regular OPS, right? I'm looking. Do, 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 do. Yeah, right about there. Yeah, so I mean, I think he just is what he is. Um, uh, you know, I. And this is just, you know, if I did anything with him, I'd move him into the two spot and drop Votto back down to the three. I like Votto at two. Yeah. And Votto's been I'm good the last just, couple. I'm just saying if you if you felt like you wanted to shake something up. Yeah. No, I can but see. I'm, not convinced, I'm not convinced that, you know, that really does anything. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. I'm not uh, – I wouldn't have a problem with that. I just think Votto, who's finally back to hitting the last two weeks, his his numbers are back somewhere approximating what we expected. I think his power is probably irretrievably lost. He'll have some stretches where he hits some, and he'll get some great American ballpark homers. And uh, but I, I just think he's getting on base again. He's able to hit the ball in the gap some. I, I think he's back. He's a perfect number two hitter at this point in his career. I think. At TJ Horston, TJ asks if you are stranded on a deserted island, who would you rather be stuck with? Doug Gray or Jason Linden, and why? If I were stranded on a desert island, I would rather be alone. Than be I was gonna say, I'd walk into the water. Be with either of those guys. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, you talk about one of the most miserable circumstances ever, to be stuck on a desert island with either of those guys. <laughs> but you know what would be worse than that? Being stuck on there with you. Because we would argue. We would fight. Not me. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, because you and you and Jason never fight. Never. We agree about every. Oh, wait a minute. Never mind. Never mind. Mike McClanahan at McClanman asks on twitter.com slash redlegradio, what is your favorite snack food? And when at the ballpark do you prefer blue cotton candy over pink? Hashtag viewer mail. So let's start with that. What's your favorite snack food? Is this like ballpark snack food or snack food? Just snack, snack food, the first one. Just snack. Just snack food. Uh, I'm a Grippo barbecue potato chip guy. Grippo. You got, oh, you got, man. Went specific on us there. 
Oh yeah, and, and and it's got and the best ones are the ones in the big box because they're really hot. I like those uh, barbecue potato chips, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, they're more overrated than Bruce Springsteen. Man, you're wrong. How often can you be wrong and still hold the position you hold, <laughs> buddy? I'm never. <laughs> nobody's ever told me I was wrong in my yeah. uh, in my day job. They're a nice part of the problem. <laughs> it, well, actually, you know what? We need to get your wife on here. <laughs> oh well, that's a good point. I've, I've never been right with her. Um, my favorite snack food is, uh, I can't remember the brand name of these, but there's these, uh, these almonds that come in a, it's a blue package. I cannot remember the name of them. Uh, but these are uh, lightly salted almonds that are just, I can't stop eating them. They're awful. I have to keep them out of the house or I just keep eating them. So that's my favorite snack food. What can I, somebody will tell me the name of that? I'm sure. But I will say this when my wife, when, when there's chocolate in the house, she hides it from me because I am, I will if, if it's here and I know it's here, I eat it. Uh, and that's another uh, quirk of my personality. I got to tell you, I I don't love the chocolate. I don't hate it. I mean, I'll eat it, I guess, but I don't understand the the the, the fervor over chocolate. When at the ballpark, do you prefer blue cotton candy over pink? I can honestly say I have never had cotton candy at the ballpark. Me either. I don't think I've had cotton candy since I was uh, little, but I'll say this. I've got two kids, one a boy, one a girl. They both, for whatever reason, have always chosen blue cotton candy. I took my son to the circus many, many, many years ago. And my son is the pickiest eater on the face of the planet, bar none. And he wanted to, he wanted cotton candy. And so I bought him a cotton candy at the circus, took the plastic off of it, got it off. He took one bite and went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe it. It was, you know, seven bucks down the toilet. <laughs> oh, well, it was it was an experience. It was, it was a learning experience for the young man. Something else he didn't like. There you go. Yeah, add it to the list. Jordan Barhorst at Jordan Barhorst asks, the Angels offer you Mike Trout. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's see if that's the same answer once I tell you what uh, is going back in exchange. Mike Trout for Luis Castillo, Amir Garrett, Eugenio Suarez, Nick Senzel, Jesse Winker, Taylor Trammell, Tyler Stevenson, and Hunter Green. Do you take the deal? No. Of course not. No, Jordan, I think <laughs> Jordan's being funny. Because um, he knows that I want Mike Trout as a red more than anyone. I would love to see Mike Trout's red. He's the, the, I, th I think we're going to go down when the Angels are in town, just because I want to see Trout. I think he's probably going to end up being the best player that ever played baseball if he stays healthy. And that's sure. like amazing. It. It's someone in our, our generation. to. And, and, and I don't think many people understand that because he's playing on the West Coast and playing for the Angels. Yeah. Would you trade any two of those guys for Mike Trout? I'd trade any two of those guys for Mike Trout. I think I would say, here's your list. Take two of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I would. I think I would. Um, I, I, I would give them the, the whole Reds roster, top to bottom, and say, take any two or, or more, it, depending on who they are. But yeah, on 40, man, take any two. But on that list that, that we were just given, any two, probably any three. Uh, that's a fun question. That's a fun question. Stevie Boy asks, is next off-season's motto going to be 
Hash Brown get the batting. This year it was Hash Brown get the pitching. Next year, Hash Brown get the batting. I think actually it's going to be, and it's easy to say it should be because they have not hit this year, but I think next year it's going to be both. I think they're going to have to figure out which holes are the biggest and go fill them. And I think there's going to be at least one bat they need to get, probably an outfielder. And I think they're probably going to have to get at least one pitcher. And I think they have to bring in one starter, and I think they'll have to bring in at least one big bat and, and have a an Iglesias or a Dietrich type of signing that, that pays off for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, Chris Brock, 57, at Chris Brock, 57. Chris Brock asks. Is that Lou Brock's son? I, it might be. Might as far, be. As far as you know, it is. Could be. He asks. I'm a bigger Joey Fo- Joey Votto fan than Jason Linden. Do you concur? Yes, I concur. Jason, actually, this is something that most people don't know about him. Jason Linden actually doesn't really like Joey Votto. It's kind of an act he puts on for the podcast. He just, he really, his favorite player, you're going to be surprised to hear this. His favorite player, I'm not sure if I should. should it's it's Scooter. It. It's not Scooter. He, no, he, <laughs> Jason hates Scooter. His favorite player, David Hernandez. Isn't that bizarre? Yes, it's bizarre. Yeah, Jason is bizarre. Um, and pretty soon we're going to find out whether Jason actually listens to the podcast that he's not on. Petro, <laughs> Petros Wheels at Petros Wheels asks, what is your condiment of choice for a ballpark hot dog? That's his first question. So let's go with that one first. What is your condiment of choice for a ballpark hot dog? I'm a, I'm a brown mustard and ketchup guy. Brown mustard and ketchup. I'm, yep. ger- I'm generally going to go with the spicy mustard. I can, yeah. I can take the ketchup, I take it or leave it. Um, but I like a hot dog with just the mustard on it. But you're right, the, the brown mustard, the spicy, that's the yep, that's, that's the way to go. Um, ketchup's fine. You know, I was watching that uh, that that film that everybody uh, got so went so crazy about the the latest Avengers movie. Did you see that one yet? Yeah, I saw that. Um, and it was fine enough. It was a comic book movie. A bunch of people wearing tights. No, it was fun. It was a fun movie, but. Um, <laughs> the, the the kid in there, I guess uh, Jeremy Renner, whatever the name of that character is that he plays, his kid said, uh, or his wife a- asks his kid, "Hey, do you want mayo or ketchup on this hot dog?" Yeah, <laughs> I remember that mayo. Now I want to know how many of you all out there you can tweet at, at Dotson C uh, or at Bill Redleg in and uh, or at Redleg Radio and let us know. Do any of you really really put mayonnaise? On your hot dog, and I don't mind mayonnaise, but on a hot Does dog, anybody put mayonnaise on hot? I put mayonnaise on hamburgers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mayonnaise is fine, but I, that's bizarre. But you know, teach you something, yeah. whatever. His next question: Chili dogs, yay or nay? It depends on what we're talking about. Are you talking about Cincinnati Coney's? Because a lot of people call those chili dogs. I think we're talking about uh, what most of the like world. New York call chili, chili dog, dog, a hot dog with just chili on it. Well, with no with no hot dog, with no, I mean, just a bun and chili. I think it's a chili dog, right? No, it's got a hot dog on. Really, around here though, around here yeah. it's just a bun with chili. Oh no, no, no! Well, that's what we call chili dogs here in Southwest Virginia. How how can you have a dog if there's no dog? It's on a hot dog bun. No. Oh my gosh, Bill! All right, what's but your it- answer? Yay or nay? Yeah, they're fine. In fact, I, in fact, that's what when I had my Dragon season tickets, they used to have a foot long chili dog up there, and it was a hot dog with chili on it, um, and melted cheese. It was pretty good. Uh, that's what I used to get when I went to the ballpark up there. It depends on what you mean by a chili dog, hot dog with chili on it. Uh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Depends on the chili, but uh, yeah, that's good. Um, just a bun with the chili on it. Um, 
uh, I've never had one, I don't think, so I don't know. Tyler Doyle. Tyler Doyle Rules. That's a little uh, movie reference you won't get, Bill. Tyler Doyle Rules asks. Right, I don't get that. I knew you would. Uh, if you had to pick a team that has great team dynamic slash energy plus winning that you wish the Reds had, who would you pick? My pick is the Phils. I love watching them this year. That's a sort of a, a tough question to answer. Um, I think the Phillies are fun to watch. The team I love to watch, and I hate to say this, uh, is the Atlanta Braves. With that with that youth, Cunha and, and Albies, I just, I don't know. They got all those, uh, and the kid that just came up, the Riley kid uh, hitting home runs. I'm telling you, man, that's a fun young team to watch. That's the team that I, and it kills me because they started their rebuild the same time the Reds did, and they did it the right way. And the Reds did it the wrong way at the beginning and put them behind. But any thoughts on that question? I, I Honestly, I don't have an answer because I, I honestly don't watch a whole lot of other teams other than the Reds. Your answer is you just like the Reds. I do. I like the Reds too. That's the one thing I have found, is, and I've probably said this before, as I've gotten older, I've gone to be – I've become less of a baseball fan and more of just a Reds fan. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I can see it. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, this is the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. Sometimes we ask you to uh, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. You can find us. Just do a search for us. We uh, are also, as I said, on uh, iTunes. And sometimes we ask you to leave a rating or review for us there. Five stars only. And we have very nearly a five-star review. But I want to point out the reason why we don't have a five-star review total. Uh, at out of I think we've got two, up to 214 ratings now. And it's because of uh, an example is someone from about two, three weeks ago left a one-star review for Red Leg Nation Radio. And I want to identify it because I want you to read what uh, we're getting rated on. The one-star review said, locked in Reds? Question mark. I tuned in this morning and was devastated that this locked on Reds is now locked on Cincinnati. And the Bengals were the subject. When the podcast becomes Locked On Reds again, let me know and I will start to listen again. Capital letters, please, exclamation point. Buddy, you are confused. Yeah, isn't Locked On Reds a different podcast? Yeah, Jeff Carr and James Rapine previously did the Locked On Reds podcast. Fine podcast. Go subscribe and listen to that one as well. No problem. I don't know what about uh, whether it's become the Bengals. I know there is a Locked On Bengals podcast too, um, or has been. But we got a one-star review from someone because they can't figure out how podcasts work. You can't delete that? Nah, I don't have any authority. What am I, Steve Jobs? It's Apple. No, you're Chad Dodson. Oh, that's a good point. So, yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I got no authority to do that. So, uh, anyway, if, if you go, we need a bunch of you to go leave us oh. five-star reviews to drown out that ridiculous one-star review. Oh, and one, one other thing, it's Bengals, B-E-N, not Bengals, not B-I-N. Again, <laughs> I'm Chad Dotson at Dotson C. Uh, we need you to go leave a, a, at least another 50 five star reviews over there to drown that one out. So that's your mission this week, uh, Red Leg Nation Radio Nation. Please, uh, he's at Bill Red Leg in on Twitter. We're at Red Leg Radio. You can find us at redlegnation.com every single day. We've been talking about the Reds every single day since 2005. Bill, any uh, final closing thoughts for us? Let's make a run this way. I'm back now. The offense can start hitting. Are you back finally? I'm back. I'm back, a, here. I'm back here until 
our my Reds or my Reds minor league baseball tour at the beginning of July. Oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. Looking forward to that one. I'll be meeting you in uh, Greenville for one of those we'll, games. That's right. We'll be meeting in Greenville on July the sixth. Anybody that's in the area, come hook, come and meet us. We Absolutely. Would love to say hello. Terribly exciting. Get a chance to meet me. Um, all right, for for Bill Lack and the Cincinnati Bengals, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.